Well, 2018 was definitely a year of high highs and low lows in the land of comedy. Of course, here at home in Canada, we had new festivals, clubs, comedy tours springing up from coast to coast. Rising stars took the spotlight for the first time. And in the world of stand-up as a whole, we had some of the biggest stars found themselves surrounded by scandal and stepping down from the stage. So it was a year of controversy, scathing political satire, and comedy reflected, as always, our increasingly warped culture in this strange and surreal year. And of course, last but certainly not least, we did say goodbye to our very own Sandra Carusi, always with us in studio. I'm Dean Young, along with our producer Vince Tedesco, and this was 2018 Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Okay, so Vince, looking back on 2018 yes. in comedy, which yes. it was an interesting year. I mean, listen, the listeners already know, for us here in studio at Inside Jokes, it was a very sort of uh, high highs and low lows this year, of course, right? I mean, we, we said farewell to Sandra. But then what are we you talking had, about? We had some, <laughs> and a couple of friends of the shows, of the show, really, yeah. you know. Uh, so we had some loss this year and some ups and downs, but we also we had it was some a very fantastic emotional guests. episode of Inside Jokes. It really was. It was a lot of uh, it was a lot of it was a bit of a roller coaster ride. Yeah, twenty eighteen. But it was that way in comedy as a whole too. I mean, there was a lot of controversy in the comedy world. This it's year. still going, and it's, it's going to go going. right into twenty nineteen as it, well. It seems like it's just going to keep escalating. Of course, the big one, and there were a few names that popped up, but I think the. The biggest one, arguably, was, of course, Louis C.K. Yes, Stepping Louis down K. from stand-up. Uh, wasn't there a few more other comics related to that as well? There were a few more other... It the was, Aziz Ansari incident, the... Yeah, I mean, there were some sort of, like, fringe ones that were debated, like, well, is this an issue, is this not? But, yeah. of course, Louis doing the whole... And then the people speaking up for Louis. And people speaking up for Louis. Dave Chappelle, Chappelle, uh, Sarah Silverman. And people commenting on it. And of course, so for listeners who don't know, first off, I don't know if you've been living in a cave with your fingers in your ears and your eyes closed this entire year, but Louis C.K. was called out for basically (laughs) serial masturbating in front of people. I don't know how to even put that down. It was all under this Me Too movement. It was all under the Me Too thing. We get get, get the whole movement. Totally, and the whole whole point there was that, you know, this is somebody who was abusing his sort of stature in the comedy world, his his position of power, and basically luring female comics into this situation. But the big, big controversy that also sprung from that was Louis sort of sent out that apology... Um, that even some people were like, well, it's not really an apology because he's also giving himself credits and stuff in there. But he disappeared for a while and then eventually started popping up at what would be considered his own club, the Comedy Cellar in New York. Let's not use the word popping up. Popping up, yeah. Yeah. He started exposing himself on stage. Um, but he came back to doing stand-up, and the big the big debate there this year was, well, what's the timeline on this? How long is he does he have to stay away for? How long does yeah, he have to make himself? How long does the grievance last? Like, yeah, like, do, 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 how long does he disappear for? Is it is it indefinite, or who who decides that? Even I mean, there was this whole debate over like, well, it's not time for because audiences at the comedy cellar. The 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 main thing was it was always a surprise appearance, right? But so he got a very you know well received reception for the most part. I mean, he of course the last one he did, which was I believe last week, um, there was a woman in the crowd at the comedy cellar because that's mm-hmm. where Louis just shows up because that's sort of like his home turf, right? Uh, she she heckled, she yelled right from the front row, "Show us your d-. yeah," you know, um, which apparently completely threw him off. 
Listen, the comedic psyche is an interesting one, to say the least, from what we know of, of stand-up comics. So whatever's going to set Louis off, I mean, he got in this mess because of his... His own proclivities, yeah. Yeah, in the yeah. first place, and now it's coming back to bite him in the butt. Yeah. So. Well, and that's the thing. That's such a, a gray area where it's like, who's the judge and jury on this? Who decides that he's allowed to come back? And do you want him back? I mean, it's sort of... Yeah, and how do you, you know, make your mark back? Because obviously he's doing these pop-up, again, pop-up gigs. <laughs> Uh, but these unannounced sort of appearances and for what we hear, you know, pretty well received reviews, but every once in a while you're going to get like that woman in the, in the front row. Well, and what's he going to talk about? Because what we all know about Louis C.K. is he just, he'll address the most immediate and, you know, the elephant in the room, let's say. He'll well, address, he's now the elephant. <laughs> he is. So, I mean, the thing is, are we going to, you know, is there going to be a time when there's going to be a full hour of new Louis where he's talking about this? Where he's like, yeah, so I did that thing for a decade or two, you know? Being that it, what he's notoriously known for and that's what it is, he's going to have to. I mean, yeah. he's going to have to be his own head on the chopping block. He of kind his own, of is, of his, right? own, of his own material, yeah. He has to do material about that. Okay, uh, we're going to jump to break. When we come back, I want to ask you, Vince, what uh, some of your favorite shows that you saw this year were, because I know what was my big standout. Uh, so we'll come back with a little bit more 2018, a look back at 2018 right here on Inside Jokes. Hey, this is Robin Duke, and you are listening to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting in studio, of course, with our producer, Vince Tedesco. We're taking a look back at 2018, not just here on Inside Jokes, but... The year in general. The year in general, the comedy world as a whole, and also this weird, horrible, cultural, political, boiling, overflowing stew that we dropped <laughs> in this year. Yeah. And of course, the way comedy works is whatever's happening in the world around us just gets reflected and reverberated. So it was a strange year. I mean, here in Canada, it was a largely positive year. I feel like we saw a bunch of, uh, you know, new tours springing up across the country and new clubs opening up and new festivals happening and, and some sort of new comics, you know, breaking into the spotlight. But the comedy world on a larger scale yeah. was like, you know, we have this orange goblin in the white house and people are talking about that. And then there's all these famous comics being, you know, brought forward in the whole me too movement, a lot of controversy. So it was a really sort of polarizing year. Yeah. But in I mean, the comedy uh, world, uh, I mean, and that's, it's going to happen every year, every that's year. Gonna there's going to be something year. we're going to be talking about. This just so happens to be the focal points this year. Well, and that's how comedy works, right? Yeah, it's exactly. like whatever's changing to comedy sort of evolves and adapts with that. Uh, but I, you know, we both got a chance to get out and see some really good shows this year and some bigger acts that rolled into town here in Toronto. And of course you went to the just for laughs festival in Montreal. Love just for laughs. Love going every year. Uh, this year was again, another, you know, amazing festival. The couple of days that I was there. Yeah. Uh, doing some nice interviews and, 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 some reconnaissance work, I guess, for inside jokes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, comics that kind of grasped me, and I, I, we always love Godfrey out there, and uh, Dion Cole, who was a writer with Conan O'Brien, and on the television show Blackish, kind of stuck out for me. Um, the New Faces show at, at, at JFL is always amazing to, to see. Yeah, that's always a good. Yeah. Uh, if you ever uh, make your way out to Montreal, definitely on your little checklist of shows you're going to see. Check out new faces there. Comics from all over, but, uh, you know, obviously Homegrown Talent is another show as well. Yeah. The Homegrown Show. Great stand-ups in, in our country kind of getting their, their, their moment in the spotlight. 
Yeah, and a lot of them, of course, you know, have rolled through this studio before. Yes. And the new faces thing is great. Every year in Montreal at Just for Laughs, they have a lot of these shows that are sort of like showcases for U.S. comics and Canadian comics that, mm-hmm. you know, everyday Joes might not have heard of yet. These are comics that are sort of about to blow up. A lot of them have writing gigs on late shows and stuff like that. Exactly. Uh, and a couple of years ago in Montreal, I saw Variety put on these. It was like a 10 comics to watch. Um, and now where are they? Well, that's the thing. My favorite, so my favorite act that I saw that year in Montreal, this is about two, three years ago now, was Bridget Everett. So Bridget Everett, for our listeners who don't know, um, she writes for Schumer. She wrote for the Schumer show and she goes on the road with Amy Schumer. I saw her do her own solo show, her own feature show this year at JFL 42 in Toronto. And that was by far for me the highlight of that festival this year and one of the best shows I've seen in years. It's such a hard to describe. You know, I saw Bridget Everett do, it was like 10 to 12 minutes on this variety thing a couple years ago. And the thing is, she does this weird, she calls it like cabaret style. (laughs) So she does all these like songs and stuff, but the audience is scared. I was sitting close and I was scared because she'll come into the audience. She will make you uncomfortable. She'll like hike her dress up over her waist and lap dance on you. This was at the Winter Garden Theater too, And this was at the Winter Garden. (laughs) The classy Winter Garden Theater. And I saw her do this at the Variety Show in Montreal a couple years ago. And it was crazy because she was like eighth out of ten in the lineup. So she does like 12 to 15 minutes of whatever the hell that just was. Right. Completely bulldozes the place. And then some poor stand-up has to get on stage after her. They bring the house lights back up, and he's got to go with his water bottle and his stool and be like, so my girlfriend, you know, like there's no way to follow that. So I saw her do a full hour of this at the Winter Garden, and it was one of the most absurd, like my sides were hurting after that. It was one of the most crazy, electrifying things I've ever seen. Uh, so, I mean, that's always the best part of the year for us is when JFL 42 comes to town. Right. Like, if you can't make it to Montreal, yeah, JFL 42, and, it, and I'm, some of you may not know, but it happens right after TIFF. Yeah. So, it kind of gets kind of set aside because the whole TIFF hoopla takes over. But JFL 42 in the city of Toronto, it's all different locations, like we said, Winter Garden to small town theater yeah. or small uh, theaters across the city. But amazing comics that come up through the ranks that just... They're absolutely hilarious. And accessible. I mean, you get we end up getting all these fantastic guests in studio every year because of this, because these are people that are just randomly in town for one week. Right, yeah. I mean, like they're, 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 we know them, but I mean, once they get the exposure that you know they rightfully earned, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to make it. That's awesome. That's what you have to do, listeners. So just a helpful hint, wait till Brad Pitt leaves town, yeah. and then like two <laughs> days after that, you can see some great comedy shows that you might not otherwise get a chance to see, uh, yeah, at big theaters like the Sony center in winter garden but then in random bars like all over the city exactly man they're all over the you place. almost have to like dig for these you need like a geocache to go and find, <laughs> or like pokemon go to like go and find what's the garrison but you know and you go to these places and it's like whoa how am i seeing this for like 15 bucks or whatever you exactly. know exactly it's pretty crazy uh we're gonna come back with a look back more at 2018 which was a very colorful year in comedy right here on Inside Jokes, Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Now for some comedy RX featuring Bridget Everett. I wasn't always a classic all-American beauty sitting up here in front of you. There was a time when I was really looking. It's not funny. I had one front tooth and my brothers in Brock and Brian, they called me Fang. 
So I joined the swim team, you know, give a little self-respect, some dignity, and I was really good. And the better I got, the broader my shoulders got. And then they started calling me Lurch, that guy from the Adams family. You call me that on the street, I'm gonna cut your off. Okay, thank you so much. And then, and then my nipples came in, like not my it's just my nipples. And they were like, <laughs> everybody started calling me little nippy, little nippy, little nippy. So I ran home from school. It was a Friday night, I remember, because I was watching Dallas and the Dukes and Hazard. And um, all this that was when this track was supposed to be playing. You fucked up. You fucked up. We'll get the next song ready, okay? Not the happy piano one. You'll know. It's number three. It's, it's, it ties in with the story. Figure it out. And I'm going to tell you when to hit the track in a second, okay? So I was crying on the couch, and my mom said, Bridget, what's wrong? I said, nothing. She said, Bridget, what's wrong? I said, nothing. And then she slid her hand down the back of my pants. Like, not in a fucked up way, but because I got real soft skin. You'll see. And she said, Bridget, what's wrong? I said, well, Brock and Brian got everybody at school. Call me a little nippy Yes, she said, ooh, don't you cry. Hit the next track. <laughs> That's right. You're smart, motherfucker. Hi, this is Natalie Metcalf, and you're listening to 640 Radio in Toronto with Global News today. <laughs> Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, and we are taking a look back at 2018, not just what happened here in studio, but in the comedy world as a whole. Uh, we had some some great guests rolling through the studio this year. We were talking earlier about you know the people we got during festival season. Yeah, JFL forty two. For me, we had a couple of comics that. This is one of the most beautiful things about Canadian comedy is you get to know and work with and meet these people that influenced you that you watched growing up. I mean, for me, and I think for pretty much anybody in Canadian comedy, kids in the hall. That yes. was that was a religion. I mean, that was you know. That was comedy church for Canadians who wanted to take a stab at this stuff and just culturally that was that was we all grew up watching that and idolizing those guys. I remember watching Kids in the Hall with my dad all the time. So we had Kevin McDonald in studio mm-hmm. with Sandra and myself, which was fantastic. Just hearing how they went from, you know, just a handful of like college kids going and screwing around on stage at the Rivoli to Lauren Michaels producing this show for them and now they're all, you know, in sitcoms and TV roles and movies all over the place. They became Kids in the Hall is a comedy brand. Yeah. You know, and there's very few of those in Canada that are sort of big household brands. Kids in the Hall is one of them for sure. Uh, Robin Duke. We had Robin Duke, another one I grew up watching on SCTV. And of course, Saturday Night Live, she was on. Um, just hearing her origin stories as well, how you go from messing around at improv theater in Toronto to live from New York, York, you know? So it's fascinating to hear that stuff. And of course, now she's sort of churning out the next generation of improv and sketch masterminds over at uh, the Humber Comedy School. But for you, so I was away. Yes, Dino took a little vacay. (laughs) Vacation. The Yeah. (laughs) You want to talk about crazy years. (laughs) Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a big part of the year. So I came out of the closet, and then I took off to Honolulu to go. I don't know you just said. So I came out of the closet, then took off to Honolulu. Yeah, <laughs> go to Hawaii and hit up the local grinder uh, app as one does. Brush over that little tidbit of information. Yeah, so we'll sort of we'll save the audience from whatever happened there. But so while I was away, yes, Vince Vince Tedesco, our own producer, took the hot seat. Yeah, three years. I finally got to three host years, the damn show. You got to host the show and did a fantastic job, by the way. I, Thank you. I Dino. got to listen Thank to that when much. I came back. 
Um, and I and I enjoyed it, which is really surprising because I was coming back to winter in Canada after a 12-hour flight, and I was very sad and yes, angry. Yes, it was a crazy 10 days when you were away. Was, yeah, so I got to... Uh, so yeah, you sat down with the iconic Nick DiPaolo. That was a little, I was a little nervous. I was were a little you? nervous. Yeah. He, was, uh, he was very great. He was you know, awesome. Nick is a really kind of a laid-back kind of guy, so he kind of go, you know, we went with the flow of the whole interview, but that was a little highlight, a little check mark on, uh, on the radio or somewhat whatever radio career in Vincenzo. <laughs> uh, but Nick DePaulo was a definite highlight. Also the, uh, the bad boys of comedy getting in, uh, some class, like, a, like Frank Spadone, you want to talk about friend of the show, yeah. having Frank Spadone in studio with two other social media kind of, uh, comics with Giuseppe the MC and Luciano uh, Reggiato. I tried I to say it, but yeah, we all I know remember that was how that a hard went. One for you. Yeah. But getting them both in studio as they're kind of breaking their their chops in the stand up world now, but they got their claim to fame via social media, and I kind of wanted to have that as part of the show. So a highlight even is is inside jokes kind of merging the two brands of comedy together. Absolutely, yeah. And having you know. The stand-ups and the social media lights coming together. And it's all on one, one show. That's right. And it's all one big happy. We've talked about that on here before where it's like, you know, people segregate themselves. Oh, I'm only a stand-up. I'm only a sketch. I'm yeah. only an improv. Yeah, we all just laugh along We're together. All, that's right. We're Love all just trying brothers to. brothers and sisters. That's right. We're just trying to make people laugh and also be able to pay rent, too. Yeah, you know, paying rent would help. Canadian comedy needs that people to come together like that. Just an R and an E right now. I that's totally take, true. I don't need the NT right and, now. And by the way. The Italian bad boys of comedy were were trying and failing hard to get me to speak Italian on that you show. I mean, I, I did, but you know, uh, the only one that I remember and the only one that I could do comfortably was our own station name, which was Cento uh, Quaranta. Hey, right? that's the only one I remember. Say Cento Quaranta. Say Cento Quaranta. Yeah, six forty. There you go. There we go. So that's that's all I remember from that. Uh, but you, we had like a good mixed bag of guests rolling through the studio this yeah, year. Yeah, and I like where we're branching out now for 2019. I mean, uh, we do. We have some. We have some memers coming into the studio. Yeah, memers. I love saying that name. But not just t- taking comedy from all parts. I mean, from now we a couple episodes back, you know, showcasing Windsor, showcasing yeah. Montreal. We'd like to make our way out west coast and get, you know. All you Calgarinians and Edmontonians and Vancouverites and absolutely because there's a lot exploding in Canada right now in the comedy yes. world. So I mean, that's, we you know we're hearing all the calls out there. and We don't want to make it all GTA Toronto four one six the six centric show. We wanna we wanna kind of bring all of Canada in on this wonderful journey we're on, and not just stand up because, like you said, there's so many different forms that are blowing up right now and that are, you know, sort of people are becoming names off of the stuff a lot varied from stand-up, you know, just social media and all that stuff. Plus, I mean, it's nice to take a break from the depression and self-loathing every once in a while that is stand-up comedy. Everybody gets their 15 minutes of fame. (laughs) We need to turn the house lights up a little bit. You'll come in the studio at like minute 12 or 13 when you're like, your time's pretty much 11 o'clock. So we do do have some exciting stuff lined up for 2019. And of course, we have a lot more of 2018 to recap. It was was a big year in comedy and it was a big emotional year for us here in studio. Why? What happened? Uh, (laughs) We want to talk about, of course, our beloved Sandra Carusi, who you can still feel her in the studio every week. She's touching me right now. You can, <laughs> we want to make sure we keep doing a good job because she is paying attention. You can feel it. Uh, we're going to tell some Sandra stories, recap some more of the year, some of our favorite guests and moments from Inside Jokes. And uh, we're going to go next to a special guest kicking off 2019, 
Albert Narenberg, who has a new documentary coming out on the Documentary Channel. Is this the Laughologist? This is the Laughologist, and we're going to find out what the heck that is first off, <laughs> and what the actual science behind comedy and laughter is, and uh, something new to kick off January. So that'll launch us into 2019, right here on Inside Jokes, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. We also have the angry <laughs> Sicilian with us today. Go ahead, try to say it. Joe say Pellerino. It. You want me to say the I actual... I want you to try to say it. <laughs> Lou Siciliano Reg- Regatu? No, oh, that's a sauce. It's like a sauce, man. It's a sauce, oh, like ragu. Oh. It's rajato. It's a no-name brand sauce. Rajato. Yeah, I just try to say it. Rajato. Rajato. Oh, you Hey, this is Joe Pellerino, also known as Luis Siciliano Rajato, and you're listening to Inside Jokes on Global News, 640 Toronto. So now we're going to take a little sneak peek at what's coming up in 2019 in the worlds of comedy and showbiz. We have some exciting new stuff kicking off the year, Vince. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can't wait for our next guest because he's going to really open the horizons on on what we're expecting in 2019. And actually, this is interesting because I don't know anything about this particular career title, if you will. So our guest on the line is Albert Narenberg. He's a laughologist whose new documentary, You Are What You Act, airs January 6th on the documentary channel. uh, And of course, screened here at Hot Dogs in Toronto previously. uh, And it poses the question, can you become what you act? So Albert, welcome to the show, first off. Thank you. Great to be here. And I have to say, right off the top of my head, I have no idea. Our listeners probably have no idea. What exactly is a laughologist? Okay, well, I think one would think, you know, that there'd be a lot of expertise around laughter. But actually, I, me, merely myself, made the first feature documentary about laughter for CTV about 10 years ago. And when I was working on this film, I realized that there was enormous amounts of expertise around humor, meaning people understood like, you know, there was even scientific theories about how humor works, but very little about how laughter works. And right. so I became an expert on laughter and particularly about, I, I, I specialize in making groups of people laugh just using laughter behavior, if that makes sense. So, okay. So, I mean, that begs the question. I mean, we all know that famous idiom, you know, laughter is the best medicine. We've certainly talked about that a lot on, on this show in the past. Yeah. For you, is that is there truth to that? Is is comedy really and laughter an essential thing? Is it a medicinal therapeutic thing? Yeah, do you have a doctorate in this, Albert? <laughs> should I get a degree behind this? No, there should be a doctorate, but no, I don't. But I but I really have been studying it for uh, I would say decades. But I can tell you where the hard science is. The hard science says that one of the ways that laughter works is that when we are stressed, all our little blood vessels, our small blood vessels, tighten due to the effects of cortisol, the stress hormone. And when you laugh, the reverse takes place. They all sort of open up and breathe. And so you feel this kind of like relaxing, calming effect from laughing. The the second example is very interesting is that um, when you are in, uh, in life and you're worried about, you know, business and your job, you're in a certain part of your brain. And there's there's a unique phenomena that anybody that goes to a comedy show knows where you're at the comedy show and you're thinking about, you know, you're just, you're, you're at the beginning, you're thinking about your problems or what you're worried about. Yeah. Then you start laughing really hard. Whatever it is, it's so funny. You start laughing so hard and you feel this weird weight coming off your shoulders. And that is one of the powerful distressing effects of laughter. That is if you enjoy the show. If you don't enjoy the show, it won't happen. But <laughs> Yeah, true. 
but what's happening there, you might be interested, is that you actually are, it's, it's explained by brain dominance. So basically the theory is that when you are worried about your problems, you're in this part of your brain called the prefrontal cortex that understands time, meaning you're thinking, oh, I got to make my rent or I've got a bill to pay by next week or there's this thing I forgot to do. Those are all these time-oriented stresses. Now, when you laugh really hard, you actually move into the part of your brain that's called the limbic brain, which is totally emotional and has no sense of time. So if a comedian makes you laugh really hard, everything that is related to time or that isn't in the room right now disappears. So, you know, if you were worried about that bill you got to pay, you can't worry about it. Um, and you can't worry about your rent and all those other things. It might come back to you after the show. But while you're laughing, all that stuff disappears. And that turns out to be very good for people. So that might explain why laughter is a good medicine. So your brain is just really letting go of those thoughts and, and sort of taking over just with this function of reacting in the moment and laughing at what's happening. Weird stuff. Exactly. Weird stuff happens to people when they laugh. Like one is that they, they for example, your tolerance for pain increases. They do these studies where they get people to laugh and they put their hands in ice buckets of ice water <laughs> yeah. and find out they can handle, when they're laughing, they can handle way more ice water than when they're not. But some of the other things that can happen, when you laugh really, really hard, you can actually become fully paralyzed. There's a phenomenon called laughter paralysis. You might have experienced this where a friend does something so crazily funny, usually not on purpose, that you fall down laughing. So you fall down and then you laugh so hard, you literally cannot move. And that state is called uh, laughter paralysis, and it's now a recognized state. That, that would You would have to be a pretty funny comedian to generate that. <laughs> what yeah. about when someone actually kind of, you know, has to, has to go? They actually urinate themselves. Is that a yeah. particular form of laughter or a mechanism that releases it, I guess? I can tell you exactly what it is. So the theory is that when you laugh very hard, the part of the brain that deals with laughter is, very, is next to motor control. Uh -huh. So what happens is you tend to soften or, or I, I guess, mix up the motor control part of the brain. So you have, you have an instinct to keep your bladder closed. And <laughs> when you laugh really hard, because motor control relaxes, all, everything lets go. So this happens more to women, apparently, but men do too occasionally. So yes, it's a real phenomenon. So as comedians, if we have a room full of 40 people that are just paralyzed and wetting themselves, <laughs> yep. we've really done our job that night. Hey. You have literally killed. We've literally, <laughs> we could kill people. <laughs> We're going to go to break right now. And when we come back, we'll have more with Albert Narenberg, the laughologist. Hey, this is Kenny Robinson, and you're listening to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto, brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. We are recapping 2018 and a look ahead at some of the stuff coming up in 2019 in comedy and showbiz. We have laughologist Albert Nirenberg. I'm curious, though, because these are all, of course, like sort of almost chemical reactions to, yeah. you know, the, the laughter response. Have you ever thought about what it might be in the human psyche that drives somebody to be a comedian, to 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 be a funny person, and to actually put that out into the universe? Yes, I have thought about it. Um, so, so you might be interested. In, there's like a lot of boring science that explains how comedy works, and one of the theories is it's all about uh, patterns. So that, so for example, um, uh, when life. Uh, when you explain a story and it has a particular pattern, what makes it humorous is if you mess with the pattern. 
And comedians tend to be people that feel like the world is too orthodox. It's too structured and patterned. And on a basic level, they're trying to sort of shake things up or open things up a little bit. Right. The second thing I think is that there's a difference in philosophy about life. Like, I think people that are into humor feel that at the very core of everything, there isn't like a serious crying baby. There's at the core of everything, there's a joke. I think that's actually a philosophy that at the core of the universe, there's kind of like a, a comedic joke and you can't actually argue with that. You know, there's a, I think that may be true. So I know I think that way. Yeah, that's how I think too. I think that, and so when I, when I go out into the world, I try to find patterns that point to the fact that life is funny and it's funny in different ways. And that makes me happy. So, so I think that is part of a philosophy that some of us have, but not all of us. There's a, you know, a huge section of the population that is totally serious. So, uh, and and they don't think it's funny. It, yeah. yeah. And they're looking to be angry <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah. So it is really almost tapping into, you know, the great cosmic joke that sort of runs through life as a whole. Yes. Yeah. And so yeah, this I, almost uh, this almost feels like the like Daily Planet version of Inside Jokes today. Exactly. Now, know, Albert, the from, science behind it. From a comedic's point of view, like what about someone who constantly needs laughter? As as a comic, like I'm not a comic, but as com- many comics walk in here, they need that. That that's the drug that kind of fuels them to keep doing what they're doing and be funny. Is there a, a, like a introspect on that? I guess my question would be: I have a question about that. Would be: Is does a person need laughter literally that that like they're addicted to hearing laughter, or are they do they need success? They need to know that they did a good job and people are responding, and laughter is just the way they respond. Because because I would say. I think we, we all need laughter in that there's all these expressions like a day without laughter is a day without something. I can't remember what it's like sunshine yeah. or something like that. So I do think we all need laughter and that laughter is beautiful. I actually think laughter is actually connected to sunshine. This hmm. sounds weird, but the famous poet Longfellow said the earth laughs through flowers. And of course, flowers need sunshine and there's something sunny. If you look at people that are laughing, I did research on this too. Their eyes often um, uh, lubricate in this way that makes their eyes shine. So their eyes kind of glisten and they flicker and they look, uh, they twinkle. And um, so some people have said that's the sun, like kind of literally shining out the person. And I think we associate laughter is like a funny, sunshiny, happy thing. So I can see how comedians get addicted to needing the the sunny side of laughter but also, I think more of them, I just think, are addicted to like the association with success that they've yeah. got the audience mm-hmm. laughing. That they brought brought yeah. them to that point. Because and it is interesting when you when you put it that way, because it is you know that's the ultimate human expression of joy. So comedians are trying to bring that out of people, which really is a gift when you think about it. And it's interesting because stand-up comedians in particular are often tapping into some pretty dark places to make yeah. that reaction happen. Yes. You know, so it's an interesting reversal. So I wanted to ask you about, so this new film, You Are What You Act, correct me if I'm wrong, but this basically supposes the idea that actors become in real life the roles that they take on on screen. Yeah. So let me let me make that kind of laughter connection is that often I do presentations for companies or, or uh, big groups where I demonstrate that you can make people laugh just by laughing. So I don't. I don't like I like jokes. I have no problem with jokes, but I, I, it's more the principle of showing that laughter is contagious all by itself. Right. 
so I will demonstrate this and often like the whole audience will start laughing or, and then I'll show there's a bunch of exercises that if you act them out. So I demonstrate a laugh called the Alabama knee slapper, which everybody knows. But if you do that in a group, like, and you fake it in a sense, everybody starts laughing. And once in a while. The old Alabama knee slapper. Yeah, you know, exactly. Old Alabama knee slapper. And so once in a while, somebody would stop me and say, hold on. Like, isn't this fake? And I would be like, yeah, well, yes, it starts as fake, but then it gets real. That's what's weird about it. And I started thinking about that, that maybe you could take that same idea, because obviously we want laughter and we're faking our way to it to a certain extent. Maybe we could apply it to other things. And then I realized, wait a second, that's what Tom Cruise is doing. Because I basically I found a story that said that Tom Cruise has been has acted out heroically in real life on six different occasions. He's rescued people that were being mugging, who were being mugged. He, he rescued a, a people that were on a burning boat. Wow. A whole bunch of them. Harrison Ford has rescued pe- people a whole bunch of times too in a helicopter. Um, and then there's these little ones like Ryan Gosling once was standing next to somebody. Ryan Gosling, really? Yeah, Ryan Gosling's actually done a lot of these things. And, and so Ryan Gosling, apparently the story is that what, he's in New York uh, a, a British woman is a tourist, l- literally steps out into the middle of traffic on a main uh, avenue, and just as she's about to be hit by a cab, an arm reaches out and pulls her back, and she looks back and it's Ryan Gosling. This became a story because she posted it on Twitter and became a huge deal. Um, but oh. but Ry- Ryan Gosling has done this a few times. He's broken up fights. He rescued a puppy. Um, <laughs> like this guy needs more cred to his name. Okay, that's fine. Good for him. Yeah. We're going to go to break right now, and when we come back, we'll have more with Albert Narenberg, the laughologist. Hey, this is Colin Mockery from Whose Line Is It Anyway? And you are listening to Inside Jokes, Pants Optional. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. We are recapping 2018 and a look ahead at some of the stuff coming up in 2019 in comedy and showbiz. We have laughologist Albert Nirenberg. Kate Winslet pulled, carried a woman out of a burning house. What? Wow. And she couldn't save Leonardo DiCaprio on a floating piece of wood in the middle of the No. So we, in the documentary, you are what you, sorry, you are what, we, what you act. We looked at all these sort of cases and what we found was, first of all, the pattern was bigger than we thought. Meaning, okay. Meaning at first it was just Tom Cruise and Harrison Ford. Then we realized, oh, wait, Clint Eastwood, say, a guy was choking on a piece of cheese in a, <laughs> at a golf course and Clint Eastwood heimlicked him and he was like, oh, thank you, you saved my life. And um, and then Jamie Foxx pulled a guy. This is a crazy one. So Jamie Foxx is sitting at his house one night. This is about a year ago. Hears a loud bang, looks at his security camera out front, and there's a burning truck in front of his house. So he runs down, actually drives down because it's so far away. He drives down to this sort of front um, uh, gate, and uh, the, there's an upside town truck burning, and he sees there's a guy inside the truck who can't get out. And uh, at that moment, an EMT, which is an actual emergency personnel guy, by coincidence, is driving by, and he stops too. And when they both get to the window, they realize, like, the guy, the window's rolled up, and the guy is stuck inside the burning truck. Right. Okay, here's what gets weird. The, the, the EMT guy goes to his car, and he gets out a special tool for smashing windows in this exact circumstance. It's like a big pair of scissors. And um, so... And then he runs back to the truck and he hands the scissors to Jamie Foxx, who is an actor. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, Jamie Foxx then smashes the window. The guy is like in a kind of faint, and Jamie Foxx just says to him in Hollywood, you know, kind of dialogue, he says, you're going to have to get, help me get you out of here, or I'm going to have to leave you here. Something like that. I'm trying to do it like the Jamie Foxx. <laughs> like, and this and is that, all documented somewhere? Yes. Yeah, it's in the film. It's in the film. And the guy at that point pushes his legs out the door, and Jamie Foxx and the emergency guy pull the guy out, save his life. You know, 30 seconds later, the entire truck goes up in flames. Wow. Wow. So is there, this, this happened, happened a year ago. It's not like a long time ago. And it's, you know, it was, there was the, the, the father of the guy knew the whole story. It's very dramatic. You know, met, met Jamie Foxx and cried on his shoulder and the whole bit. And Jamie Foxx was like, oh, shucks, you know, anybody would do what I did. But what we noticed is a pattern of, of movie stars who tend to do their own stunts, who are action-based, are likely to commit acts of heroism at random. Well, yeah, you're a product of your environment, I guess. So well, it's almost like this, like sense memory thing when they find themselves yes. in these situations. Yes, Sen- I'm gonna say you're right. Sense memory. It's it, it, you are what you embody. So if you physicalize certain behaviors, and then you're in situations that are similar to when you physicalize them, you'll probably phys- physicalize them again. And uh, so that that that's the theory. Was one of the theories for why they do this. Um, and it also works on the dark side. So if you if you play uh, uh, losers um, or, or, or people who die, famously Moliere, the, 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 the famous French uh, playwright, died acting at the role of a man who always thought he was dying. In the play, he keeps saying, I'm dying, I think I'm dying. And then, and then he said, I think I'm dying. And then he actually did die. Huh. Wow. Um, so, oh, but I work- wish you were in studio right now. We're all dumbfounded looking at the <laughs> microphone right now. Like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah, what the hell is going on? Yeah. <laughs> so part, part of the, like, the film is partly about the idea that in our culture, like, you know, there's like a lot of new age uh, thinking that says if you change your thoughts, you kind of change who you are. So, you know, try to think positive. And a lot of people have tried this stuff and haven't really got always, like, I don't think it hurts to change your thoughts, but it's much bigger deal. To, if you want to change as a person, it's a much bigger deal to change your actions than to change your thoughts. That's what this film kind of says. And I think most people would agree, like, actions speak louder than words. We all know that. Hmm. So the takeaway for audiences watching this is what exa- like what can they apply to their own real life? Well, I'll give you a bunch of funny examples. So there's, like, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of them. So one of, there's a whole new science called power posing. It's controversial. It basically says if you want to be confident, like, for example, I didn't do it this time, but let's say you had a radio interview, right? Yeah. They tell you to, before you go on the air actually stand in powerful positions. So you stand with your shoulders out, head, neck up, um, and... and I'm doing uh, it right now. I'm doing it right now. Hold on. Go on. You're doing it right now? You're already doing it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so shoulders out, hands on hips. That's called the Wonder Woman pose. Right. So you do that, and what happens is that then when you actually do the interview, the people are like, hey, there's something about that guy. He's just confident. And it, it creates a kind of like invisible confidence. And And they've done studies that show that People may do better with job interviews or those kinds of things if they power pose, uh, you know, kind of before and actually during. Yeah. Now, here's where the comedy comes in. All of this stuff does not work unless you calibrate it correctly, meaning if I just go stomping into an interview and do like the, look, I'm doing the Wonder Woman pose and say like, I'm here, <laughs> yeah. interview, I will not get the job. Not only that, they'll be like, that guy's an idiot. 
And um, Star of my life. So, <laughs> calibration is the secret to all this stuff, which is that you can, and there's like a whole bunch of other examples. So, so I'll, I'll give you another one that, that, that if, you put, if you put your thumbs up, like in the classic thumbs up position, if you do it double with both thumbs up, apparently what happens is what you see in front of you becomes more positive. And there's even a study that said that like, giving the finger, so even with both fingers, or you yeah. give somebody the finger, that then what, what is in front of you becomes more negative. Now, that's also kind of obvious, but it's, there, it's showing that your be, outward behavior is changing your reality, if that makes sense. Very interesting. interesting so stuff. you have like this almost subconscious response to this. Uh, Albert, thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, people, of course, can watch You Are What You Act January 6th on the Documentary Channel. And do we have some more live screenings coming up as well? Or Yeah. Okay, so it's going to be Toronto... Um, February 17th at the, the Mayfair. It's at the Montreal Cinema du Parc, January 27th. And then Documentary Channel, uh, January 6th. You got it. Perfect. Thanks so much, Albert. Thank you. Great talking to you guys. We'll talk to you later. Albert Narenberg, The Laughologist. And now for this week's Comedy Listings. Don't forget to check out ComedyRecords.com for the latest album releases from Canada's top stand-ups and sketch comics. And hit up ComedyBar.ca to see the latest shows happening here in Toronto and the famous Rivoli live comedy downtown Toronto every Monday night. And of course, you can follow us on Instagram at InsideJokes640 and on Twitter and Facebook at InsideJokes. Jokes.